We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Siakam to the rim. Got struck by Caruso. Over the midcourt line, Levine. Triple drive on Schroeder. Left quarter three by Caruso. Bam! Big time, Onions! Bulls lead, 104-103, 2.3 seconds left. Onions, baby Onions! Holds and looks, Schroeder, and play to Siakam. Siakam on Craig, forced it up, no good, ball game over! Bulls win, Bulls win, Bulls win, what a ball game! Chuck's dancing, Chuck's dancing, Chuck's dancing! Sorsky here. On our airwaves last night, the best and worst game of the year, of a season in a long time. I know this season's not very long, but I got to tell you, it was bad. It was it was ugly. It was featured stupid basketball, and it was entertaining and dramatic as hell how the whole thing came down. And I got to th- believe... Big Time Onions is just going to be on the Lollapalooza list next year. Because, right, doesn't it sound? That's a really good Lala name. Yeah. Big Time Onions! It'd be a good band name. They could feature Chuck Calls. It'd be great. That would be good. Well, put that together, all right? See, maybe they do a... Does Chuck rap? Chuck dances, and he's... So maybe you can have him rap, too. Can you have that go back and forth? Yeah, I'll see what I can do about that. <laughs> all right. Um, we need to talk about this This. Is bad and ugly and stupid and dramatic and entertaining in some ways game. And I don't understand it. We're going to go to Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. Hopefully he understands it. He's joining me on the score hotline. Presented by Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Ricky, I've always meant to ask, and this is perfect now, SB Nation, does the SB stand for Sucky Bulls? Because that's kind of what we're talking about now. It doesn't, but it probably should. Uh, That was just a hilarious game last night. As you said, you could have seen it coming a mile away, the Bulls and the Raptors, two very similar teams uh, heading into the season, both of them just sort of fighting to compete for the play-in tournament with a veteran capped-out roster, both teams short on future draft picks, both teams light on on on-ball creators and have very poor shooters all over the floor. Uh, I feel like every time these teams play, Something dumb happens, and last night was perhaps the greatest example of that. Because <laughs> uh, it was fun to see the Bulls pull out a win at the end there. That was an extremely poorly played basketball game all the way around. But both times are tra- both teams are trying to lose it. I mean, it was stupid. For Demar Derozan, as well, he's back to Mister Two Point Shooter, and I'm going to get fouled, and I'm going to get the free throw line. Well, you need to hit the free throws. You you can't be a guy who only shoots twos without hitting the ones because you're going to get them. And he missed half his free throws and. I, for the life of me, I don't understand. I understand why Pas- Pascal Siakam, you want, he's your, he's your best player for now. And that's what you want the ball in his hands. But you don't want the ball in his hands if you can go against anybody except Alex Caruso. Why, what's wrong with anybody else on the court just trying to, to grind down the game? I don't understand what 
what the coach, what Toronto was doing there and why. And the Bulls made him pay. I mean, on the upside, the Bulls actually did something less dumb. Yeah, Caruso's a madman. I mean, he's one of the most unique players in the NBA. If someone was as good as offense as Caruso was at defense, you know, they'd have a $200 million contract. Like, Mm -hmm. his impact is that gigantic on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, And it's easy to, like, focus on what Caruso did at the end of the game. But remember, at the start of this game, I think the Bulls were down 14-4 when Caruso came into the game. And by the end of the first quarter, they were winning again because – He's just so good at drawing offensive fouls, forcing turnovers, taking teams out of their rhythm. Billy Donovan said after the game that it felt like Caruso was guarding four guys at the same time, and he almost does. He's like the ultimate free safety on a basketball floor. He could switch any position. He's only 6'4 or 6'5, but he's so strong. He has such a low center of gravity. His hands are so quick, and he's so intelligent on the floor that uh, really he can match up against basically anyone but the biggest centers in the league. So that game was a combination of Toronto shooting itself in the foot, uh, just really poor execution on their part, and Caruso just being totally incredible. And it was poetic to see him make the last corner three to give the Bulls the win. I don't know what the Raptors were thinking there. They had three guys run to the rim to stop the Zach Levine layup. And credit to Levine, he played an absolutely terrible game, one of the worst games I've ever seen Zach Levine play. But throughout his career, Levine's crunch time decision-making had been so questionable in that moment he made a great decision he didn't try to shoot it he didn't try to get to the line instead he finds Caruso for the wide open corner three Caruso hits it they win Uh, so that was just a a very silly game all the way around I don't know if we'll see anything like that the rest of the season but man one and one feels a lot better than oh and two for the Bulls especially with another game tonight and they're very fortunate they pulled that one out. Yeah well they're at the vaunted 500 mark where they apparently are happy enough to reside the the Bulls, we're talking with Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation now. We're talking about Bulls and Raptors. Levine apparently has been bothered by lower back spasms. Uh, Casey Johnson had noted and tweeted out that he came out with a wrap on his back after halftime and said we'll see how things go, uh, whether he's going to play tonight and when the Bulls play Detroit. You can hear that on the score, 545, Chuck's pregame show. I have not seen an update on Zach Levine's back problems. I don't know whether he, he's just listed as probable according to reports right now. And I don't remember hearing much or anything about his being his ailing that way. Is that why he sucks in the first two games? It's as good of an excuse as any, right? He was great <laughs> in preseason. I thought Levine was gonna be in for a huge year and you know, he's made two all star teams in the past, still only twenty eight years old. I thought he was set up to have one of the best years of his career and that coming into this season, this would be the year Levine fully established himself as the best player on the team ahead of DeRozan. But God, he's been brutal these two games. And I've never seen him play so poorly. I don't think uh, like he did against Toronto could not hit an outside shot. His decision-making was shaky. So you know, back injury is tough. If you're an athlete, uh, I think that, you know, Levine must've suffered that either, like at the end of the preseason or in a practice session, because he looked really good for the majority of the preseason. I'm still not too worried about Levine, as weird as it sounds. Like it's only been two games. There's 80 more games left. Uh, He was unbelievable to close last year. I think for like the last 60 or 70 games of last season, basically starting in December on, he was averaging averaging like 26 points a game on hyper efficient scoring numbers. So I'm not too worried about Levine yet. I think, 
you know, it's got to be a little strange for him to hear his name in trade rumors the entire offseason, and he doesn't get doubt. He's back here once again. Uh, the team has such a low ceiling heading into this year that, you know, I think Zach is probably ready to take the next step in his career and, like, actually go to a good team where he can play a winning role instead of being the best player on a crummy team like the Bulls are. Uh, but I'm not too worried about him yet. I am surprised he's playing tonight in Detroit. I thought with a back-to-back, no-brainer, just rest Levine tonight. But he's probable. Seems like he's going to play. Uh, I will say, Zach Levine, following him throughout his career, the guy always plays hurt. So you can't, like, question his toughness or anything like that. But uh, you just hope he can get back to being an effective off-ball scorer as he was, uh, you know, last season. Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation is my guest. We're talking Bulls here on The Score. The um, the head Wookiee at my uh, my Trader Joe's said, I would have loved to have heard you after the <clears throat> Bulls' opening night. I wanted, I wish you were on the air. I wanted to hear that rant. And I said, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been a rant. I was happy to see them take threes, as they said they would. They missed, which makes me wonder what the hell they were doing in Nashville anyways, other than getting, ending up face down in Tootsies, I suppose. And... The starting with the Vooch yelling at Billy Donovan and the players meeting right after that. And I said, thank God they're talking. Even negative energy is energy. Thank God they're talking. I said, if you didn't have that, if you didn't have either of those things, then it would have been last year. It really would have been the horribleness of running it back. I don't know that I can make a connection from the players meeting to, to what happened to a win because they still suck. At the start, they, they don't know how to prepare for games. But when you saw the what happened opening night and they looked in disarray and they looked chaotic in other places and in the locker room and like that, what were your thoughts and was and have they changed now, Ricky? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes back to Vooch. Vooch kept saying in training camp at media day, he's like, yeah, they promised me more touches this year. They said they're going to run the offense through me. Well, I haven't heard anyone else say that besides for Vooch. But Vooch <laughs> apparently <laughs> believes that he's Nikola Jokic in his own mind and that the team should run through him. Now, I do think that there's probably actually some validity to that. Vooch probably has the best basketball brain on the team. On a team without Lonzo Ball, he may be the best passer. And I guess if you wanted, like, sort of a template of what the team could look like running through him, how about how Tom Thibodeau used to use Joe Kim Noah back in the day, sort of facilitating the offense from the high post? A more modern example would be how the Sacramento Kings used DeMontis Sabonis, and they put up the highest offensive efficiency rating in league history last year when they were expected to, you know, be a team that missed the playoffs. So part of me thinks, you know, maybe there is some validity to what Vooch is saying, but man, they gave him more touches yesterday and he shot four or 15. He was brutal. So uh, I think Vooch is probably very frustrated by what's going on around him. He thinks, you know, in Orlando, I was the man here in Chicago. We're just watching DeMar dribble the air out of the ball. We're watching Levine make bad decisions every time uh, he drives the lane and you know, Kobe is a, he's a fun player. He's an improving young guy, but I wouldn't exactly call him a high IQ point guard yet. So you can, you can see how Vooch wants the team to play. And, you know, he said, oh, it's not only for me to score, it's for me to set everyone else up. I just don't think that the Bulls have the personnel to really play that way. Like, you can't really just look at what the Kings do around Sabonis and say, yeah, why don't the Bulls do that around Vooch? It's just not that easy. The Bulls don't have as many good shooters. They don't have as many high heel cutters off the ball 
which is something Stacey King's been correctly hammering on the broadcast. Uh, so I think, like, Vooch is kind of a hothead. Vooch is acting very entitled. Vooch is a, he's a solid starting center, I guess, but he's by no means, like, an upper echelon NBA center. And I think that's really something to watch as the season goes along. Like, for right now, they're shooting more threes. They're playing a little bit faster. And thank God they got the win uh, just so they can say they're one and one. But uh, if this team is about as bad as everyone thinks they're going to be, and the Vegas line was 36 and a half wins for a team that won 40 last year, I do wonder if there's just going to continue to be more infighting within the locker room and guys unhappy with their roles because, you know, we've just seen this team now for three years with Vooch, uh, Levine, and DeRozan, and they're just not very good together. Like, I don't know what, what the Bulls think is going to change. They, correctly added a little more shooting they're having the team adjust its play style to shoot some more threes but there's a lot of data at this point that a team led by these three guys is very average and that these three guys don't really play well together or particularly seem to like each other so uh i think that there may be more drama as this bowl season unfolds and uh you know they're lucky to stave it off for one more night by winning last night why doesn't arturis karnishevis get any of that data is he the only one who doesn't have any of the data that these three don't play together? And this was a guy who sat and watched all three choke down the stretch against Miami in the play-in game. You don't. You got three guys, and none of them can step up. Why do you keep them, and why do you keep them together? How come he doesn't have any of this data? What do you think of the job? Yeah, he's a couple done? things. One, you know, the Bulls were fourth in field goal percentage last year as a team, and twenty-fourth in offense. Like, how does that happen? Vooch. DeMar and Zach all had really good individual years last year, honestly. But they had no shooting around him. They were playing in a shoebox. Nobody defended Io DeSumo. No one defended Patrick Williams. They didn't have, you know, enough shooting off the bench either. And the team, despite shooting very efficiently on two-point field goals, had a terrible offense. So they thought, okay, we'll sign Javon Carter. We'll sign Torrey Craig. Uh, we'll just tell our guys to shoot more threes and to stop record scratching when they get open looks from three. We're going to bench Io because the offense stinks when Io is on the floor. Uh, so you could sort of see, you know, what they were trying to do. But the real problem with the Bulls is a lack of ambition. And to kind of show this, he keeps, like, touting, like, competitive losses. Like, he's just trying to build a team that could maybe be the seventh or eighth best team in the Eastern Conference. Because I would assume, you know, the edict from ownership is make the playoffs and don't pay the luxury tax. So the Bulls are not really trying to build a championship team. They're not really taking a – of course, they're not going to win the title this year, but they're not even really taking a step forward in terms of eventually building a championship team, uh, especially with Patrick Williams stagnating so bad. To start this year, it's a team that's capped out. It's old. It, you know, doesn't have any future – it's still missing a future draft picks in the DeRozan deal. So uh, I think the Bulls have absolutely pathetic ambitions for who they are. They treat themselves as if they're from Indiana or Orlando or Milwaukee when this is the Chicago Bulls. you got a global brand built through the Michael Jordan dynasty years. Uh, they should have been able to capitalize off that for many years to come. And instead, you know, they just want to be a mid-market team that can make the playoffs, get slaughtered, and collect their, uh, you know, postseason revenue for a couple home games. So it's a lack of ambition. I don't think they want to rebuild. Uh, we saw what happened last time they re tried to rebuild. They hired perhaps the worst head coach in league history and Jim Boylan, everything fell apart. And uh, I think they just want to be an average team that isn't a huge embarrassment to the city. Well, guess what? After the first game of the year, they were once again, a huge embarrassment in the talk of the NBA for all the wrong reasons with that players only meeting. Uh, you know, the bulls just, they just want to be an average team. They don't want to be an embarrassment. And 
Uh, we'll see if they can even accomplish that lowly goal the rest of this season. Well, it's always good to have a plan, Ricky. It's always good to have a plan, and thank goodness they have that. Let's let's just be average and don't spend money. Ricky, I appreciate your time. Thanks for making sense, and thanks for joining me after that abomination of basketball. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation, editor, writer, and um, chief muckamuck in charge of programming. And so there we go. So I, uh, I'm going to take a break. It's really, it's so true. It's so true that they are just, that, that Ricky's got it. Just, all right, let's be average, make the playoffs. Let's get some, a couple playoff dollars. Because the NBA is much more turnstile driven than the N- NHL, which always used to be the worst, all, the most needy. And when you get to that point, that's why our tourist looks like Garpax. He's just, oh, get in there. We don't have to be good, but we can't suck. We need playoff money. So that's it. All right, take a break. When we come back, the greatest sports writing lead ever had a uh, an anniversary this week, and I will bring some bring you that. And I tried to connect with Tyson Bajan on LinkedIn, and I'm still waiting. I'll tell you what I'm tell you how that went. Saturday second, Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy the score. We have the cultural zeitgeist. Right now you're doing something for the culture. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. Joe won the Chiefs. Owns. 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 I don't know. I think we've really penetrated the cultural zeitgeist. Nice. We have an opening for the cultural zeitgeist segment of Saturday Suckage. That was it. Sean Sears, author of that, editor of that. Nicely done. Welcome to Cultural Zeitgeist. And we're going to start with Joey Ice, the former frozen guy at my Trader Joe's, sent me this. Tyson Bad Bajant needs a friend, or at least to update his LinkedIn bio. As of the middle of this week and the end of this week, it read Tyson Bajant, student at Shepherd University, RL Landscaping, <clears throat> Shepherd University, Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. That's it. And it has a picture of a Guy who is maybe hoping to, I I don't know. It it looked, it's not a flattering picture. 
<laughs> it's maybe all he had to work with sure. at the time as a, I'm guessing, an 18-year-old, 19-year-old. So he had only one connection, Is and he still does. And I couldn't see who it was. Hopefully it's DJ Moore. But he had one connection from whatever this was. And that seems lonely. And I didn't want, because I'm a giver, not a taker. I'm a sure. pleaser, not a teaser. I didn't want Tyson Bajan to be lonely. So I went on, on, on LinkedIn and I, I pressed the connect button. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to connect with him. I was, I was waiting and waiting to see if my connection was accepted. And while I was there, I saw that I appeared in three searches this week. Hey, who's looking for you? Well, one of them was Massage Envy. True fact. Massage Envy, which was listed as hospitality professional. Moving right along. In Tyson Bajan's About section... It read, I'm a student at Shepherd University that has chosen to study sports marketing. I've chosen this degree because of my knowledge and love that I have for the sports world. Being able to earn a living in my passion would be amazing. And it's something that I look forward to doing. Bang! Exclamation point. Oh, and starting for the Bears. No, I just made that up. That was not written back then. Under education. Tyson Bajit's LinkedIn page lists Shepherd University 2018 to 2022 and after activities and societies it says football yeah I'd say so and you set all kinds of NCAA records football yeah football he went on he goes on to write some courses I I've taken recreation and sport a 200 level course he also took Campus Recreation and Event Management, a 300-level course, and a 100-level course called Ancient History and Sport, which I would assume covers the last time the Bears had a franchise quarterback. So I went this morning to see if I had my invitation accepted. No. Alas. I hit the connect button to try to give Tyson Bajan a friend, and no, he didn't connect with me like he's got other things to do come on dude but he just like nothing happened since i don't know since 2019 on his linkedin page that's pretty good maybe 2020 okay this is even though i hate the sanctimonious i hate the sanctimonious frauds in south bend This week, an anniversary of 99 years ago, the most famous lead in sports writing saw print. Notre Dame played Army, mighty Army, at the Polo Grounds in New York. They beat the mighty armed services squad 13-7. to Because it was in New York, it was at the Polo Grounds, Grantland Rice, the legendary Grantland Rice, penned at this legendary lead in the New York Herald Tribune, even if you didn't know what it was about or who it was about or why or where it came from or who wrote this, you probably know these lines. Quote, outlined against a blue-gray October sky, the four horsemen rode again. In dramatic lore, they are known as famine, 
pestilence, destruction, and death. These are only aliases. Their real names are Stuldreyer, Miller, Crowley, and Laban. Four Notre Dame stars. That is the most famous lead in sports writing. It's not the most famous lead in literature. Not my book, and I get to rank these because it's my show. The most famous lead in literature is we were somewhere around Barstow on the edge of the desert when the drugs began to take hold. You know where that's from, Sean? Fear and Loathing? There you go. Johnny mm-hmm. Olson, tell them what he's won. Dr. Hunter S. Thompson, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Anyways, that's not why you call it. Back to Notre Dame. A couple things. In the 1980s, I covered the Kings. Covered the L.A. Kings hockey team. So me and Rick Sadowski, the late, great Rick Sadowski, he covered the Herald, for the Herald Examiner, covered the Kings. We're in Pittsburgh for a game. We're at the Igloo, and we're just having dinner at the press table. You sit at a table, and there's some old guy I did not know. And this older, odd-looking man begins to talk. I would find out later his name is Beano Cook. But he wasn't Beano Cook, all capital letters at that time, in the mid-'80s, but he was all... All college football, among other things, based in Pittsburgh. So somehow the conversation gets around to Notre Dame. And Bino's angry. Bino's angry that Grantland Rice's lead is still a prominent part of the Notre Dame legend. And he says one time he was talking to the legendary sports information director, Roger Valdeseri of Notre Dame. And he's raging. He's angry at Roger Valdeseri. For, you know, you couldn't, nobody could write that nowadays. You guys have been milking this. Nobody gets away with that. It wouldn't pass an editor. Nobody could get that into print. That's not what it's about. And he's, he's aggravated about outlined against a blue-gray October sky. And this is in the 80s. So this is 60 years after Grantland Rice wrote that. And Bino's angry. And he finally stops talking, and Roger Valdeseri takes his arm and says, yeah, but how do you like it for longevity? I thought that was outstanding. Outstanding. One other thing about this famous lead, it's so famous and sports writers revere these kinds of things. There's a Dallas writer whose name escapes me. I do not know. I apologize. He's covering the Cowboys. Now, in the 1960s, the Cowboys were an expansion team. Landry was a coach. Don Meredith was a quarterback. They were not good. They would become good. They'd become contenders, but at this point, they weren't. Landry was a good coach. Meredith would become a good quarterback. He wasn't at the time. So after one, one loss that was quarterback-driven, a Dallas writer wrote, outlined against a blue-gray October sky, the four horsemen wrote again, Dramatic lore, they are known as famine, pestilence, destruction, and Meredith. That is just great stealing. That's so good. Great stealing. That's why you come the cultural zeitgeist. So I started this a couple years ago. Not years ago. A couple weeks ago. Oh, my God. I just lost my mind. And it ticked off somebody. So I wanted to keep it going. I had, at the time, said... Smoke on the Water was the greatest guitar riff ever. And so we played that. And then I said Satisfaction was number two. And I said Running Down a Dream was number three. And that's when somebody got really, no, not, you can't do. Ah, ah, ah. And so we did it again last week, and that was Layla, or two weeks ago. Layla was the fourth. 
So this week I bring you the fifth greatest riff in rock history. Yeah, that's it. Tell me. You knew it immediately. You knew what it was. That's one way you have to judge these things. 847 Texture, glad to hear Bajan is less concerned with his LinkedIn and more concerned with studying film and winning NFL games. Yeah, he too. I'm just saying, he could hit, your invitation has been accepted. I went to his LinkedIn page. He doesn't even go to his LinkedIn page. That's what I found out. Okay, so the next... Uh, the next Olympics will come in 2024 in Paris. Paris. Louis Paisano was a writer for Harper's Bazaar and L, and he reported that in advance, there's a running store in Paris called Distance Athletics. And this store has set up a very unique marketing scheme, device, element. You can call it what you want. But they allowed, encouraged, and advertised to have people steal anything they wanted from the store. Yeah. In fact, there's a big sign on the front of the store. You can see this in, in, if you use the Google machine. There is a big sign that screams, rob it and get it. But there's a catch. There's a catch. You had to outrun their security guard. Their security guard was French Olympic sprinter Miba Mikhail Zeze. And it, it happened in September, and they posted this with video of people trying to do that. Oh, my God. They followed the sign. All right, Robin, get it. Yeah, I can do that. I can outrun this guy. He's an Olympic sprinter. He's their security. So this video will show... People who tried it, men and women, and then sheepishly turn over what they have. And say, yeah, all right, I caught him. And they run out of the store, they run down the street, and all of a sudden he he takes off, and he's going to catch them, and there you go. All right, give me back the shoes. That's it. But I love the idea. Rob it and get it. There you go. You just have to outrun security. This sounds like a sports, this is sports center commercial it does right Right? yeah get like usain bolt to be their security yeah right there's your guy so stephen king tweeted this out and i i glad we share a similar sense of humor you might to be you might expect it to be a book he wrote you might i don't know something else maybe the podcast right the king cast whatever it is but no the king of horror stephen king tweeted out something about a holiday gift. Now we're in that time where you're looking at holiday gifts, right? They're all around. Actually, holiday shopping, Christmas was started being like Labor Day. All of a sudden you were seeing that kind of stuff. And the tag is the calendar you never knew you needed. Have you seen this, Sean? No, I haven't, no. It's a calendar that is called 
Dogs pooping in beautiful places. Oh, my God. Yeah, I need that calendar. Uh, yes. <laughs> see? It's the calendar you never knew you needed. And they're a bunch of hunched up dogs doing their business against these glorious, like, mountainsides or in these wonderful leaves and meadows. All these beautiful places. You know who I think would really appreciate that is Mitch Rosen. I think we should get him one and get it on his desk. He would love it. Why? Because it's a dog or it involves pooping? I, you know, all the above, honestly. I think I just want to see his reaction when, he give it, when we give it to him. <clears throat> well, let's talk about, do you, do you give that to somebody who could take a joke? Do you give that to somebody you don't like? Do you give that as a white elephant gift? That happens a lot this, this time of year, too, right? See, that's, that's probably a really good white elephant gift. I would definitely want to make sure I'm giving it to someone who can take a joke. I don't know if Mitch is that guy, but it's, uh, I'd still want to Wow. Wow. You don't, you don't think Mitch is that guy that he I could think, take a calendar joke? I think if joke? you gave him the calendar, he would think it's a joke. If I gave him the calendar, he'd be like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Well, there have been many times on the air, I think I made him fill his pants, that he was worried about what was going to happen or what was going to go next. So um, I just, I thought that was, and it's really some gorgeous photos. There's dogs doing their business while against, you know, it looks like you should hear the music, the theme from Sound of Music, right? The overture from Sound of Music, the, the way some of these dogs are. I think it's a, it's a terrific calendar. Maybe you just buy it for yourself. You don't have to buy it for anybody else. You just buy it for yourself and post it. And then maybe you gauge relationships based on how people react to that. I think that's a possibility. So this um, this news came to me, and I'm just, it's been going on a couple of years, and I don't understand, but I've never lived there. An, an ATM like business was unveiled in Singapore in a shopping mall. Instead of cash, it dispenses 200 gram fillets of salmon. (laughs) You get salmon out of your ATM or an ATM like machine. And there apparently are dozens of salmon ATMs in the island state of Singapore. They're frozen in Norway, and they're vended in Singapore. And they want to make beloved salmon available to everyone and affordable for everyone. So the fillets go for about $4.25 U.S., whatever it is. And... They're held at minus four degrees Fahrenheit in each vending machine, and the fish stays fresh for up to two years, frozen that way. I thought I thought it could stay longer than, but whatever. That's what it is. So you can get salmon in a vending machine in Singapore. Now, I had not seen when I read this. This reminded me of covering the '98 Olympics in Nagano. And you get out of Narita Airport in Tokyo, and we're going to Nagano. It's about a four-hour bus ride away, and they have these various truck stops. And one of them, coming back from Nagano, we saw Yarmir Yager of the champion, yeah, the champion Slovakia, champion team, Yager. And, and he's looking at the 
vending machines the way we are. Because you can get bubble-packed octopus and squid in Nagano. And you could get like the 45-ounce bottles of beer. And you could get white dress shirts. I know why. Anybody who covered... Anybody who covered the Olympics in Nagano will go, these vending machines are nuts. You could get a dress shirt. I don't know why you'd need it to get a vending machine, but if you eat, and then I thought about it, you eat like me, there is a lot of really good, especially in Japan, really good Japanese dishes like shabu shabu and crab, na, crab nabe, wonderful th- that I would wear because I wear soup every time I eat it. So, yeah, I could go to the vending machine. And I could get a dress shirt. That's just smart. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the kids still talk about how I brought home squid and ink in a bubble-packed, a (laughs) bubble-wrapped pack. (laughs) Okay. 630 texter, imagine the smell of one machine breaks. Yeah. That's a meltdown. (laughs) That'd be tough. No one's buying those shirts. (laughs) Well, then you'd need our next segment, which is the Wake and Bake Club. We have some news for the... Wake and Bake Club. And that's been our cultural zeitgeist segment for today with a new open and apparently a new close. There you go. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday suckage. But you knew that. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's Saturday suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. News for the WB Club. We thank you, Wake and Bakers, and we know that you can wake and bake at any time of the day. So I smoke just, weed every day. Yeah, right. Or eat it because that's the news. This piece from the Chicago Eater, written by Samantha Nelson, is that the Westtown Bakery is going back—not back to the future, but back to the classics, going old school with pot brownies. It's part of a mix of uh, cannabis-infused, part of a line of cannabis-infused cake mixes. Like there's Devil's Food Cake, and there's Rainbow Sprinkles. Somewhere there's one called Canafetti, like cannabis, but Canafetti, and that's, you know. But these nude brownies, this brownie mix is dried. It contains 50 milligrams of THC, and can be can be combined with eggs and butter to bake a tray of 12 sizable brownies. But here's the charm of this whole thing. Rather than being infused in oil like most THC products, the cannabis is sprayed directly onto the dried goods, meaning it will quickly activate when combined with the fats it's baked with, kicking in about 15 minutes after consumption. See, this avoids a problem. Chris Teixeira, uh, the food and beverage director for the 5050 Restaurant Group, and and they opened OK Cannabis along with the in the lounge with with um, <clears throat> Westtown Bakery. Chris Teixeira said that's good, meaning it activated in 15 minutes. Because what tends to happen is with a lot of these products, people will eat a brownie and say, "I don't feel anything," right? And then they eat another one. And then they eat a third one. And before you know it, 
they're really high and in the corner talking to themselves for a while. Smoke weed every day. That is so true. That's, yeah, everyone's dealt with that. 15 right? minutes, bang. Where have you been all our lives? Okay, so that's it. It's um, Westtown Bakery, and they're going back to the classics like that. Um, a wonderful, a, one of our, our Hall of Famers here on the Wake and Bake Club. Do you do half birthday things, John? Do you, do you make a big deal of it? No, Just, no, I don't. No, I don't, I don't even know what mine is. Well, I guess I could do Jimmy, the math here. Jimmy so. Kimmel and his family do it. They have like, they sing half, happy birthday, and they do all that. It's a big deal. That's great. So Jimmy Kimmel noted that it was um, Snoop Dogg's birthday was coming up October 20th. And Adam, and then, then he figured out, oh, when's his, because he does half birthdays for his family. When's his half birthday? Do the it's got to be 420 then, right? Yes, it yeah. does. Oh, my God. 420. <laughs> and so his half birthday, Snoop Dogg, the, the dog father of pot, Snoop Dogg's half birthday is 420. Smoke weed every day. Yeah, that's what Jimmy Kimmel did. And Jimmy Kimmel had him on. And presented him with the Presidential Medal of Weedom. I know that was very fitting. That's that's the way to, and it should be a holiday. You know what? His birthday, four twenty. They should all be holidays. <laughs> that was Snoop Dogg's. So out in um, out in Orland Hills, there the Stash Dispensary is presenting Halloween today till eight o'clock. Yeah, you wear costumes, there'll be pop-up experiences. But here's the thing is you get 15 vendors in their lounge space and like a thousand, over a thousand coupons that drop the price of selected products to just a penny. And online consumption, that's a big deal. It's a big fight. And and it's in a lot of states, a lot of places. So just just so you know. And and that's um, stashed dispensaries in Orland Hills. If you don't need to go to Halloween, then I would suggest this. You know what? I got a text from my friend Chris Cook. Chris Cook works for the Wolves. The Wolves are celebrating Halloween tonight against the Cleveland Monsters at the Allstate Arena. So you can go there. It's always a great time. And howl because the Cleveland Monsters are the minor league team of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And everybody who has ever been in that building hates the Columbus Blue Jackets because when they score, they fire off a cannon. So this is what you need to do, Wolves fans. Go to the game, wear the scary costume, and howl like crazy. Howl so these players regret ever coming up in the organization that has that blasted cannon. Eight oh two, Texter Steve. You gave that calendar to someone who loves dogs. You give it to someone who loves dogs and nature and possesses sense of humor. Please buy me one. <laughs> I don't know who you are. But dogs pooping in beautiful places is it's the way to go. Thanks, Sean Sears, for producing this epic and everyone who showed up and listened and texted and participated. Nobody important heard me. And I'll be back next week. 
Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait, wait a minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.